We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, BlueWire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with BlueWire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have a very special guest. We have Caleb Campbell. Stops by to talk about his time in the Army and also playing for the Detroit Lions. All on episode 115 of the Pride Podcast. Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast episode 115 on the Blue Wire Network. I am your host Tyler and this episode is going to be sponsored by BetOnlineAG. Joined by my two guys as usual, Malcolm and Pierre. How are you boys doing today on this nice Monday evening? Woo! Pretty good bro, pretty good. And for today's episode, we are joined by another special guest. That's two in a row now, uh, two special guests in a row and we are joined by uh, former Detroit Lions, Caleb Campbell, man, how are you doing today on this Monday evening? Man, I'm in uh, sunny SoCal, so I cannot complain. Oh, well, okay. okay. <laughs> usually, like, I'm je- usually I'm really jealous of like our guest's weather, but Michigan's been really nice the last couple like months and last couple weeks in general, so I'm you know, not complaining. You guys deserve those two months out of the entire year. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we get like July and June, and yeah, we get August too. But other than that, it's just winter. Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah we're enjoying it right now though for sure but uh caleb before we start this podcast you know you were in the army so i want to appreciate you for your service and thank you for all your service man for your time that you did there uh before we get into the questions but i think that's a perfect follow-up to the first question now is how was your time at the army 
Man, the Army does so much for you. Just at, at specifically talking, let's talk West Point, right? Because I went to West Point, then you get commissioned as an officer after uh, after you graduate. West Point was just uh, one of those places that just breeds resilience and persistence and perseverance. And looking back at those times, it's like it's funny because when you're at West Point, you're like, get me the hell out of here. Um, I don't care. I'll go anywhere else in the world. But then you go back to West Point after you graduate and then you walk the campus and you're like, damn, I did this. Uh, and that's very much how I feel. And so I, I feel like that season of life, it was a season where so many intrinsic qualities um, really were birthed inside of me. And it's those same trans uh, intrinsic qualities that carry you on in other feats in life. Okay. 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 Just taking a step back to that recruiting process. Did you join the army? Was it for football? Was it to serve in the military, or was it like a both, a combination of both? Yeah. So West Point's a Division One school, right? And so they have a foot, Division One football program. You're probably familiar with the Army Navy game. Yeah. And so West Point does high, like just recruiting, just like any other university out there. The only difference is, is when they do recruit you, uh, you are signing on to serve an additional five years in the United States Army as an officer once you graduate. And so I knew that was what I was signing up for whenever I said yes, whenever I, I signed uh, to play at West Point. So I knew that after I graduated, I'd be serving in the military. So I, I did it for both reasons. I wanted to play Division One football, and I also thought it'd be a great opportunity to serve our country. Did you get any offers from other Division Division One schools, or was the Army like one of your biggest offers? Um, I got offered by Tulsa. That was okay. my next biggest offer, offer, but they had a coaching change. It's just crazy growing up in the panhandle of Texas, man. Like you're at the very top of Texas and nobody gives a shit about going up to the top of Texas to find football players because we can fly into Dallas, Houston, Austin and find everybody we need. And so it's, it's cool, though. We're actually starting to see I'm, I'm so damn far removed from football, but we're actually starting to see a lot of um a lot of uh, different communities or different organizations come together and create opportunities for the panhandle of Texas to kind of broadcast their talent. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. We get overlooked in that small little town. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I could definitely see that. <laughs> okay. So you got drafted by Detroit in 2008, but you couldn't play the army ordered you to serve in the military. How was that for you? Were you like angry? Um, you couldn't play or were you happy you were serving? Like what was going on? I got drunk. <laughs> I'm just playing. But, uh, you know, this is a, bi a big part of my story because a lot of people think that in 2008, whenever I was called back to active duty on the day of training camp, right, we are getting ready to start training camp that afternoon. I get a call that morning and that's when they notify me that I can't play and they call me back to active duty. And there was there was two sides of it where it's like, oh, my God. My childhood dream that I have worked so hard for my entire life just slipped out of my fingers. Um, but there was also a side of me, and this is a lot about what I speak about or what I even write about in my upcoming book. It's kind of I was exil I was so, so excited that they called me back out of playing football and back into active duty because I didn't have to be exposed as a person that doesn't have what it takes to make it in the NFL. 
because up until this point in my life, the NFL was my lifeline. It's the way I found love, acceptance, validation, everything in this world. And when I knew during OTAs, I knew that I wasn't going to make the team. I knew that like fear gripped me and paralyzed me in ways I couldn't even comprehend. And I knew I, my shot was out the window. And so when they called me back to active duty, it was almost like an opportunity for me to save face. Right. Nobody actually knew that I wasn't good enough to make it. Now I can walk away kind of with my, you know, ego still intact, I guess. Yeah. So part of me was kind of sad, but part of me was exhilarated. So you like you lost all your confidence before training camp even started. Yeah, like I lost like you, you, you didn't want to go there, it seemed like. No, wow. it was hard. It was um, the thing is, is like I, I was never taught football. I didn't go to a football school. Like I was, I was, I had 18 hours of school credits a semester. Like I remember one of my counterparts at the um, combine, Jamie Silva played for Boston college. Um, He was a safety and we, we roomed together at the combine. And I remember asking him what his college was like. He's like, Oh, I do 10 hours a semester. And then we, everything else is football. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, I'm, (laughs) I'm, I got physics and engineering and all this stuff at West point. And it's not an excuse, but I don't know football. I'm not a football-savvy guy. I didn't really watch it. I grew up on a farm with no TV. I just knew how to run fast and hit hard. And so when it came into the NFL, suddenly the the mechanics of the NFL, the technicalities of understanding a system at large – if I understand that the defensive end is in a seven technique, I understand that means X, Y, and Z, which means I should respond like this. right? Understanding the system at large, I didn't get. And I think that – it, it really uh, was a disadvantage, obviously, when I got to the NFL because everybody was fast. In college, my speed, I think, in a lot of ways uh, made up for my mistakes with reading offenses and such. But in the NFL, everybody was fast. And so I think there was a lot of just, I, I'm out of here. Like, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to make it. Um, had no real self-confidence. There's a big difference between having confidence and knowing who you are versus having confidence in your skill set and your talent. And when my skill set and my talent was matched, suddenly my confidence was out the window in a lot of ways. So yeah. was it after was it after OTAs is where you kind of just lost all your confidence and just did not want to play football anymore almost? Yeah, it, it was a lot of those those feelings. But at the same time, there was so much publicity and press. Right. There are so many people. I was doing so many interviews and everybody was rooting for me and excited for me. Man, that was when I would I, I, I honestly say that so many of the mental health um, problems or challenges. I don't want to use the word problem, but challenges that I face really begin to surface at that season of my life. OK. And I, I mean this in no disrespect, but, you know, you saying that you didn't you know, know much about football, obviously, and. You know, there's so many talented players that obviously enter the draft every single year yeah. from the combine and just in college football in general. What do you think made you kind of special, I guess, to, to be drafted? Because being drafted is a tremendous honor, obviously, to it be is. drafted by the NFL team. I mean, it, it goes so, like, unnoticed, honestly. You know, if you're in the draft in the first or seventh round, it doesn't matter. You got drafted mm-hmm. to a professional NFL team out of only 32 teams. That's impressive as hell. You know, a lot of guys would love that opportunity, obviously. So with you not knowing too much about football, what – what made you special, you think, in that matter? You know, I think my size and my speed and stats. You know, mm-hmm. I had a lot of stats that caught people's attentions, okay. caught people's attention. And so I think with just the combination of getting invited to the combine, being have a, a decent showing at the combine, um, I do think going to West Point and that whole 
kind of idea or that, I guess, brand, uh, for lack of a better word, around me helped the character or whatever, even though I was a complete dumbass at the time. Um, uh, I'll be the first to rat on myself. But yeah, I think my stats, my combination with my speed um, and my size just kind of put me on the board. Okay. Um, when you say your speed, what was your 40 time? I was uh, pretty consistent at like a 4.45. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. yeah. Nice. I tried to run outside today and almost blew a hamstring. Jog, <laughs> <laughs> hamstring. Don't worry. Welcome to relate to that. that, that I, know, I know all about that, man. I know all about that, man. You can relate to I that one. I embarrassed myself. Yeah, I did. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, so there is no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out the odds, features, and even prop bets, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in the series they're calling pandemic visit betonline.ag for your odds and up-to-date news on sports remember use promo code blue wire to receive your new welcome bonus that's promo code blue wire bet online your online wagering experts have you ever heard of dealdash.com it is the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'll never expect at the prices that you'll never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home deckers, and even cars. How it works? It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and it only goes up every cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clocks and restarts after 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash.com is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Just go to DealDash.com and use promo code Pride Podcasts or DealDash.fm slash Pride Podcasts. That's D-E-A-L. D A S H dot F M slash Pride Podcast. <laughs> so later in 2010, you signed back with Detroit and spent a brief time with uh, Indianapolis and Kansas City in 2011. How was that your experience? Yeah, so I knew whenever they told me I couldn't play back in 2008, I had two years. I remember specifically telling myself as I was driving back to West Point, you got two years to get your shit together, Caleb. Two years to find that confidence. And honestly, up until that point in my life, the only way that I knew how to do that was to get bigger, faster, and stronger. Yeah. Right. And so I went back uh, to the military. I worked my ass off for two years, uh, did some bobsledding for the USA Olympic team. Um, I was in the best shape of my life, strongest, fastest I've ever been. And so part of me knew that I was ready to go back. If there was ever a time for me to step back on that field and um, and have a and have a chance, it was then. And I remember the first time that we had practice, um, our first training camp, I stepped up on that field and had to run around the corner of the building at Allen Park and literally just puked my brains up because of fear. 
just, oh my God, I'm about to be exposed that I don't have what, what it takes to make it in this world or to make it in this league. And then what? Now what? This is the only thing that I've counted on in my life. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't know that there was anything else to life. This is the way that I found acceptance in the world. And so when I got back in 2010 or 11 or whenever it was that first season, it was just... um a roller coaster of emotions on a daily basis of wanting to actually walk away from football, but too afraid to walk away because I don't know what's next. Wanting to do good, but I was so afraid to actually put all of my effort into it because I wanted an excuse on why I didn't actually make it in the league. Yeah. So what what, what gave you that confidence to come back in the league? It was the skills, the the, the skill set, the um the the 40 times the bench press just way that I actually tested I thought that I could you know make it happen of course there was also you know the opportunity to learn a little bit more football and also if I can just like run with the big boys maybe I can just I'm not dumb (laughs) and so maybe you know people can start teaching me football a little bit more and I can I can find my place yeah so the the physical ability is what you thought yeah definitely exactly when you were struggling, did you like lean on any vet or any coach or anything, or you just kind of kept it to yourself? Kept it to myself. I very much uh, prescribed to the uh, very unfortunate um, way of life of showing how I really feel is a sign of weakness Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. that I think a lot of people deal with. And so I definitely kept that to myself. And also in the NFL, is kind of like, I don't know. It was just like this unwritten narrative that if if people knew what you were struggling with, you're a liability and see you later. Like they can replace you if they want really quick. And we saw that with people coming in and out of the locker room uh, every single day, you know, and then you start counting and now, you know, it's a numbers game and you're like, oh, shit, like I'm on the chopping block now. And so you didn't want to give them a reason to actually give you uh, give you that pink slip. Yeah. Did you ever have like that team that ever tried to pick you up or something like that or like, you know, teach you the way or something like that? Yeah. The thing is, is that I think at this season of my life, I was so emotionally unaware mm-hmm. that I didn't know what was going on with me. I couldn't okay. put to words the the uh, the anxiety, the depression, the panic attacks, the just the overwhelmingness that I was feeling on a daily basis. I couldn't tell you what that was. Um, and so I couldn't ever communicate it. Um, but there were players like I remember Kevin Boss that was one with the Lions, but it was when I was with the Chiefs before I walked away from the football for good. Kevin Boss was just, you know, he was amazing. Everything that you could imagine, a Super Bowl champion tied in, you know, just in a first class guy opened up his house, allowed me to come stay with him, did life with him. And uh, that meant a lot and helped a lot. Before I even ask, I'm, I'm going to let you know that if you don't feel like answering it, it's OK. Cool. Um. It's it's a it's mainly about the social injustice that's going on right now and a lot of things with the players kneeling. Mm-hmm. Um, as you being somebody that served in the military, just getting your perspective on it, how do you feel about the players that's kneeling in today's NFL and around the sports you see it in MLB and you know just yeah, the sports absolutely. all around? Yeah, um, actually a couple of years ago I went on uh, the Neil Cavuto show, Cavuto, um, for, actually for Fox News. And uh, they brought me on and I had an opportunity to talk about that. And my answer was I would kneel right next to Colin Kaepernick. Right. At that time, that's what the narrative was about. So I fully support it. I'm fully 
Man, I'm fully for it. Uh, the truth is there is inequality. The truth is, is like for me in the way that I experienced America, um, I, I can stand and I can honor the American flag and for what it's represented to me. But I would be absolutely, completely naive. We would be so naive to actually think that we have all been given the same rights and opportunities. And until that is solved, and I don't think it ever will be, and we'll fight that injustice until kingdom come, um, we should use our platforms. We should use the uh, sphere of influences that we have to really make a difference. And I think this is a great way to make a difference, evident by how many people it triggers, you know, how many people it activates and gets angry. So we know we're, we're fighting and moving in the right direction. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. That's all I have yes, to sir. say. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's all I have to say, man. Thank you. All right. So you have your own podcast. Uh, what's that about? And also, like, what guy... What got you into podcasting? Yeah, so I actually talk about my side hustle as a male stripper. You know, truthfully, podcasting, it was something that I just started in, in, uh, last year and was seeing if it was a good medium, that was a good fit for me. But, you know, when I left the NFL and I, and I moved to Canada where I essentially – slept on a basement floor of a church and became a janitor of a church for almost five years so that I could get the help that I needed. Uh, that was such an in-between space in my life where I had walked away from one way of doing life, but the new way of life had not yet emerged, right? And what they call that is actually liminal space, right? It's the threshold into a new way of doing life, but it's not clear yet, so you're so disoriented, you're lost, you're confused, there's no clear vision. This season of life, that space, and for me, when looking back, was the catalyst to unprecedented growth that I've ever experienced in my life. Changed my life, revolutionized my life in more ways than I could ever imagine. But I had a safe space and I had people in my life during that season to help me navigate that season. Right. And so, so much of what I do on my podcast, Finding Your Way, is for people who feel lost, for people who maybe uh, didn't just walk away from the NFL, but you walked away from a career path or a relationship that's no longer serving you. Maybe you just got fired. Maybe you just lost a, a, a loved one. And the way that you once experienced life is no longer serving you. It no longer can be for you what it has been for you in the past. And life is calling you forward. And it is so easy to numb. It is so easy to self-destruct. It's so easy to ignore and deny the opportunities that are for us in that season of liminality, that season of liminal space. And so long story or long answer uh, short is I try to create conversations. And so much of what I talk about in my heartbeat is creating conversations for those people um, that can I so that they can better identify with themselves and maybe find the language Right. You probably sat across from somebody. Maybe you're going through something in life and somebody talked to you about something. And you're like, oh, shit, that's what I'm going through. Oh, you know how like yeah. you feel in that yeah. moment? Yeah. Like that's what I try to create yeah. in my conversations. Well, that's awesome. So, that's, so your main point of making the podcast is people to relate to you. Like you're not the only one who's going through this. Or yeah, something like definitely. That. It's not like a coaching podcast and like, hey, here's seven tips to <laughs> – I'm depressed, you know. <laughs> I think it's all that's all shit, but yeah. And I'm also toying around with the idea of starting a podcast where I I interview athletes alone, whether it's football, basketball, whatever, Olympians that have left the game and have had specifically trouble trying to find a new identity, right? A lot of people, and and the reason why I want to do that is because we can hear it even with the kneeling 
uh, situation where it's like, you know, those overpaid assholes, you know, what? just do your job, right? Just do your job and, yeah. you know, don't make this play, whatever it might be, right? And we can see with athletes the rise of the athlete. We can watch them excel and we can celebrate with them. And then if they're fortunate enough, we can watch them retire. But there is nobody or nothing really documenting everyday life and the psychological shitstorm that happens when you have lived at such a level of life, at a level of praise and acceptance that 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 boost every single day is now gone. How do you how do you go back to normal life? And I know for a fact, just from so much from my own story and digging into this field, that so many of the athletes that we see um, that end up self-destructing, right? They're not self-destructing because they're bad people. They're self-destructing because they don't have the tools or the resources to cope with the sudden loss of an identity in so many ways. Or other emotional trauma is rising to the surface and surfacing in their lives, and they just don't have the, the resources to cope. And so I think there is part of me that wants to highlight athletes that have walked away and have had a trouble time reintegrating into normal society. I'm just a normal person now. Right. How do I make sense of that and having those conversations? So I think it would a be beneficial for the fan to see the actual the the deconstructing process. Uh, it makes the athlete a little bit more relatable. And subs uh, subsequently, I think it's great for young kids who idolize athletes to see what the cost actually is. Mm -hmm. No, and that actually sounds very interesting, honestly. Me as like oh. a as a, a, a younger person that, you know, just enjoys that type of stuff, you know, like seeking what athletes are all about so i did that sounds like a, a badass idea honestly awesome. would, yeah i, like I would totally too. you know tune in 100 percent. so if you do hit us up with that man that sounds cool. badass awesome. <laughs> yeah matter yeah matter of fact i mean say the name of your podcast one more time and then if you have any social medias instagram twitters yeah. if you want to shoot those out so a lot of people can follow you and keep up with all that stuff yeah man my uh, my podcast is just called finding your way um, with Caleb, finding your way. Um, and then Instagram is my main platform, even though I've taken a, a few months hiatus off of the platform just for my own personal reasons. But Instagram is just Caleb, C-A-L-E-B underscore Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, -L, like Campbell Soup. Um, <laughs> I know. Isn't that so cool that that's my great grandfather? Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> just yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And, and some corner of Los Angeles. <laughs> so, um, you know, you mentioned that you are doing a podcast, obviously, and you have another like idea potentially of starting another podcast. And we talked to you before we even started the podcast. We noticed you had a pretty badass mic, so we're like, this guy has to be, be doing something else but podcasting. And you said your uh, fiance does a YouTube channel. You know, what type of stuff does you do on that? Yeah, so she's actually a uh, she was a celebrity chef for a while. I eat oh. real good, y'all. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fuck, those abs are not coming back. I can tell you that. Much. <laughs> but no, she does a lot of that. She does some uh, coaching, just helping uh, women reconnect to their body and using food as the modality of doing that. And so she's got a kind of a TV pilot out there right now that's being pitched around to different networks and stuff. And so truthfully, this last season is me just really supporting her. And, you know, I've taught myself how to edit video and shit. And so I'm just trying to help make her uh, dreams come to fruition. That's awesome. Yeah. What's your favorite meal that she makes? 
Oh, man. Honestly, dude, what she can do with just eggs and bacon is out of this world. I'm not even joking. You think eggs and bacon, but I'm telling you, it's like, what the hell am I eating right now? <laughs> um, but yeah, everything that she cooks is just amazing. She does like she's really well known for like her charcuterie boards. And so she makes these like really out of this world kind of charcuterie boards with all these spins and twists to it. It's not just meat and cheese thrown on there. I know you think and that's what a charcuterie board is, but it's really not. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I gained 20 pounds in a night. <laughs> it's worth it, man. It sounds worth it at least. Yeah, it sounds worth it. That is a wrap to episode 115 of the Pride Podcast. Caleb, thank you once again for joining us. And if you guys haven't heard already, go check out his podcast, Finding Your Way with Caleb. And, you know, he already explained what it's all about, so I'm not going to do all that again. So um, if you guys are interested, definitely go check that out. And, uh, you know, he already promoted his social media and all that. So if you guys are interested in that, go check that out as well. But I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know a little bit more of Caleb. And I hope you guys enjoyed what we've been pumping out recently. And, you know, stay tuned. we got some more fire stuff coming out. So on that note, I'm Tyler, and I'm signing out. Peace out, guys. All right, guys. Peace. All right, y'all. It's Malcolm. Peace.